Hey, Promise Center family, welcome to Church at Home. Thank you for joining us this weekend. Thank you for worshiping with us and opening your heart to God's word. It is an honor and a privilege to connect with you via digital, the digital world, online, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we're glad that you're tuning in. Hopefully, you're opening your heart big. We miss our Promise Center family so much. We miss your face. We miss being in the same place with you, lifting up holy hands, worshiping with you, fellowshipping with you. We miss everybody. I mean everybody. We miss the person who double parks on Sundays and takes up two spaces illegally. We don't know who you are, but we even miss you. We miss the person who brings canteens to church and takes a bunch of coffee. We even miss those who love to write on our Next Steps card and stick them right back in the seat pocket in front of them. We miss our entire family. I noticed you were like, hey, we're running out of this, we're running out of that, we're running out of toilet paper, we're running out of hand sanitizer. We're, we're living in one of those times where everyone's trying to not run out of stuff. Hey, I want to encourage you, don't run out of hope. We have hope in the future, we have peace with our past, and we have strength for today. When you have hope in the future, you have strength for today. And I want to tell you that God is doing something unique in this time, and I want us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. God does His best work in times of crisis. Don't forget that. Your book, the Bible, was written in times of crisis. So let's see all the things, all the cool things that God will do in this time. So during this time, we don't want to just go through it. We want to grow through this time. I hope you feel the same way wherever you are, whatever stage in your faith you're in. I hope you want to grow in this season. And so we are starting a new sermon series called Best Practices. You know, you hear a lot online about best practices. They're talking about uh, make sure to cover your mouth when you cough, uh, wear a mask, uh, wash your hands for 20 seconds, um, stay six feet away from people. They call these best practices. Well, we're going to start a sermon series this weekend called Best Practices. I want to show you a scripture, Matthew chapter 7 and 24. Watch this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. How many want their house? How many want their life to be built on a rock? Storms are gonna come to everybody. Those who build their house on the sand, those who build their house on the rock. It's not just those who hear the word, but hear the word and put it into practice. So I'm excited that this weekend, we are starting our first best practice sermon. Here it is. We're gonna be talking about the practice of, here it is, worship. Worship. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to open your heart because when I talked about worship, when I said worship, the first thing you thought of is, we know this. We know the first three songs of every church service is worship. We know that there are different styles of worship, different ways to worship. What if there's more to worship? What if it's more than just doing worship, but being worship? What if there's this idea in the scripture that God wants you to embrace. And here's what I'm excited about. Over the next several weeks, every sermon is gonna lead us into our Tuesday Talk It Out sermon discussion small groups. Come on, think about that. We don't just get to hear it, we get to talk it out so we can walk it out. So during this message and before and after, you're gonna hear ways to sign up. You can look below and you can text or type or email or sign up just make sure you do it. Do it with your iPhone, your iPad, or use your eyelids to make a mental note to come back and sign up because Tuesday, all day long, we have small groups. We're gonna talk it out for 40 minutes because we believe it's not just important to hear the word, 
but to put it into practice. Let it ruminate and meditate and talk out the word of God so it percolates deep in our heart and so we can take the word and it can become flesh. It can become real. It can become actions in our life. So we're talking about worship. We're talking about worship. Let me tell you a story of when I was in third grade. I don't know if you know this or not, but when I was in third grade, I was a cool kid. Now, fourth grade, fifth grade, maybe not so much, but definitely in third grade, me and my, me and my friends, we, we, we were so cool in school and at recess. We, we kind of dominated the four square world and, and everyone was like, man, these guys are awesome. And so let me tell you a third grade story. Every weekend, we had this little posse, this little group of friends that we always wanted to hang out, spend the night at each other's houses and play uh, Nintendo, play uh, Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. And so one weekend, uh, David uh, Schaefer, one of my best friends, asked me to spend the night. So I was like, absolutely. Friday night, we're going to have pizza, play video games. And so I uh, spent the night. The next day, you know how this goes. I, now I'm experienced with my kids. I, I called my mom and I was like, can I please stay one more night? Can I please stay longer? She's like, fine. Um, but are you guys going to go to church? Because we go to church on Sundays. And, and I was like, do you guys go to church? And Dave was like, yeah, we go to church every Sunday. I was like, can I go to church with you guys? And they're like, absolutely. And I was like, mom, I'm gonna go to church with David. She's like, great. And so I went to church that Sunday with my best friend, David, and we get there and it's totally different than the kind of church I go to. The kind of church I go to is lively. It's hand lifting. It's sing along with the songs. This is the kind of church that you sit and the goal is don't fall asleep. The, the goal is, to not make any noise or you may get escorted out. If you sneeze, they'll tap you on the shoulder. If you're talking, an usher will, will come and take you out of the service. So it's just different than what I was used to. So the next weekend, David comes over to my house, spends the night, does the same exact thing. Can we stay another night? Sure, go to church with me. So now he comes to my church the next weekend and my church, again, we have hands lifted. People are singing along. People are standing during worship. People are nodding their head during the preaching. Even get a few amens every once in a while, yada, yada, yada. So all is well until Monday. We're on uh, the playground at the, at the four square area. Kind of the, the friends are hanging out. And my friend David said, hey, your church is a little different. And when he said different, I was kind of like, what do you mean different? I was kind of like, what do you mean, man? And he's like, what, well, man? It's just like people raising their hands and they look like they look like television antennas. And I was like trying to be all theological. I was like, well, yeah, we're just trying to get a signal from the Lord, man. And uh, and so we had this talk. And, and so he, he kind of was like sharing, like here's experience. I was like, well, man, I was just, you know, I wasn't used to, to your church either. And so at the age of three, I had my first theological debate and it was about worship, worship styles, right? And so even that whole week, you know, he kind of he, he would tease me. He'd put his hands up like this in the hallway, and then I would tease him by acting like I was falling asleep. And then we got over it, and it was no big deal. But the, the thing is, is when we talk about worship, we're not talking about style of, of praise and style of church. We're talking about something much, much deeper, something that starts deep inside of your soul. And I want to get to this in just a minute. But the first thing I want to do is I want to differentiate uh, between praise and worship. A lot of people don't know the difference. They go, I praise God, I worship God. But there is a, 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 a difference between praise and worship. I'll give you a quick story. A friend of mine a couple years ago, um, he had uh, one of the uh, Tesla representatives bring the Tesla up to his house so he could, he could test drive it. 
And so he texts me, calls me and says, hey man, listen, the, the Tesla dealer is in town. He's at my house. I just got finished. He said he has some extra time. Would you like him to come over and show you the car? And I was like, absolutely, I'd love to see. This is awesome. So he brings it in front of my house. I'm standing there. He's telling me all about it. He's telling about the wheels and the gas mileage and how fast it will go and what it does for the economy and what it does for the, for the ecosystem. I was like, wow, this is great. And then he was like, do you want to drive it? And I was like, absolutely. He's like, just sign right here. So I just signed away. I was like, yes, I'll drive it. And as I'm in the car driving, I'm like, this experience is incredible. And as I'm experiencing, the elation was even greater as I was driving it. The connection was even greater. I was like, this is one of the best experiences. I got out of the car. I was like, babe, I got to get a Tesla. I want to save the environment. My wife's like, you don't want to save the environment. You just want to drive a fast car. I was like, well, maybe a little bit of both. But long story short, there's a difference between praise, looking at something and admiring it. That is awesome. That is beautiful. And worship is an experience inside of that thing or with that thing. Worship is not one-sided. You can praise something from a distance, but worship is a lot more intimate and powerful. I want to show you something really quickly. In the book of John chapter 4, I want to show you the scripture. It says this, but the time is coming, indeed, it is here now when true worshipers, so, so true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I want you to see this. God is spirit, and we must worship him in spirit. See, praise is something I can do from my mind. God, you are good. God, I remember how wonderful you are. But worship is a connection to God, who is spirit, with my spirit. It's, it goes way deeper than just something I can bring up in my mind. It is what comes and flows out of my life. And so as we talk about practicing worship, this week I want you to kind of put some rhythms in your life. Like David, he took six steps as he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. He takes six steps and then he pauses on the seventh and he worships and offers sacrifice. He dances and rejoices and honors God and entertains the presence of God. We got to create those rhythms. I don't know when they are for you, but you got to create those rhythms and routines in your life where you go, hey, I'm going to have some praise breaks. And I'm going to have some worship breaks. I don't want to just talk about God today. I want to talk with God in worship. I want to connect with him. So the point is this, is that God is calling us as believers, best practices, to not just be spectators of his presence, but to really step into and experience with God. So what I like to do is I like to turn your attention to Luke chapter 7 and 36. Luke chapter 7 and 36, it says this, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So he's just, Jesus just chilling. Jesus was so good at having dinners with sinners. He was, he was the best at, at sitting across the table with some of, uh, uh, some of the most colorful folk, you know, from all different backgrounds and ideals and, 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 and past experiences. And the Bible says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Next verse, sorry, I read that twice. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar 
of perfume. She comes to the house and she's bringing something with her. Watch this, next verse. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. All right, I want to just kind of give you the context here of what's happening. This woman is not invited to this Pharisee's house. In fact, the Pharisee and and those who are there at the table are not happy she's there. She's interrupting Jesus and this entourage and this, this, this dinner party. She comes in uninvited, unexpected, and brings this offering, brings this worship. In fact, it's so powerful that Jesus stops them and says, don't trouble her. Don't mess with her. Let her keep doing what she's doing. I don't want you to inhibit her and stop her. And they were going, I can't, she's a sinner. Why is she wasting this oil? She's pouring her tears. She's pouring this oil on his feet. Now I want you to see this. Number one is that everyone at this table and everyone in this room, they are in proximity with Jesus, but they aren't connected with Jesus. I like you to think about this every time you go to praise and then to worship with the Lord. I want you to think about this. Am I in just proximity with the Lord? Because when I praise him, he inhabits the praises of his people. When I praise him, he draws near. Or am I truly connecting with him? Can you imagine being oblivious to who is at your table, just having dinner and talking shop, where she enters into a secret, special, sacred place with him? So I don't want to just have church, and I don't want to just have worship experiences where we see, sing three songs and then hear a sermon with three points in a poem and we just move on. I, I, wanna, I wanna sit in these moments. I wanna, I wanna linger in his presence and I wanna connect with him. Uh, a couple years ago, um, I, I was flying to do some ministry across uh, our continent. I was flying through Houston back to San Francisco Bay Area. And while I was there, I was just hanging out got on my plane, about to fly back to San Francisco doing the connection flight there. And I look on, on Instagram or Facebook, my cousin is like, just got on a flight, um, leaving Houston to go back to uh, Columbus, Ohio. She's in Columbus, Ohio. She does ministry around the United States, around the world also. And I was like, I texted her, cousin, are, are you in Houston? Yes. Are you at the airport? Yes, I'm on a plane just now. I just got on. I was like, I just got on my plane. What gate were you at? She's like, E10. I'm like, I was at E8. We were so close and we missed each other. Proximity doesn't always mean connection. So the first thing I want you to think about is, am I connecting with the Lord? Is my attention on him and his attention on me? Are we truly communing in connection? Because that is what true worship looks like. The other thing I want you to think about is the voices in the room. The people who are like, don't do that. Why is she doing that? Here's what I love about Jesus. He never once actually even talks to her. Not in this moment. He will at the end. He stops as she's worshiping, as she's pouring her oil and her tears, and he turns to her accusers, to those who are frowning on her, and he begins to deal with them. It's amazing what God does when we worship. It's amazing the battles that he fights for us when we worship. I want you to think about that. Now, here's the question I want to ask in regards to the voices in, in your world, in your life, and in, in your head. What are the voices that are keeping you from truly 
connecting and worshiping the Almighty God. I'm not talking about clapping your hands and tapping your toe. I'm talking about where you strip down your heart and your mind and you begin to pour out who and what you are and connect with God in a real and tangible way. What, what are the voices that are out there speaking? You see, there are voices that have been spoken over you, ideas that have been spoken into you that some may not even realize it, but they've oriented your life and they've kept you from really stepping into the fullness of what God has, especially as being a worshiper. We're afraid and fearful. And we have these voices, these, these faces all around us and we become a foreigner in our own land and in the kingdom of God. I wanna show you a passage, uh, Acts chapter seven and 26. I think this is a powerful passage, Acts chapter seven and 26. This is a story about Moses. The next day he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? Next verse. But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? He asked. Think about that. Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Next verse. Watch this. Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? 12 words that were spoken, that were asked to Moses. And watch what his response is. When Moses heard that, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. Wow, 12 words caused this prince of Egypt to flee and to become a foreigner, to become a stranger in a strange land. I want you to think about that. What words have been spoken over you? You weren't called to be inhibited. Your praise and your worship wasn't called to be managed by how you feel. In fact, what I love about the story of the alabaster boxes, the Bible says she broke her box. What was on the inside came running out, came spilling out. See, when you just open it up and you, you pour a little here, you manage your praise, you manage your worship. And I'm not talking about volume or, you know, gyrations, how, you know, how hard you move. I'm talking about the intensity of the heart, the focus of the mind, pausing in, in the day-to-day -day and saying, God, I'm just going to push some things away. I want to connect with you. I love you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I want to draw near to your presence. I want your presence to draw near to me. It's a best practice of every believer. You know, when Paul and Silas were in jail, what did they do? What were they doing? They weren't even praying. They were just worshiping God. And when the presence of God moved in that jail cell, guess what? There was an earthquake. You see, the presence of God is drawn to your worship. When the presence of God moves into the atmosphere and the context of your life, it begins to shake things up. God so desires to connect with you. In fact, we read it in John. We're not gonna read it again. John, he says, the father seeketh such to worship him. The father's not seeking worship. He's seeking worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. We'll be talking about this dynamic in our um, sermon discussion small group on Tuesday as we talk it out so we can walk it out. What does that mean? What does that look like? How do I apply that to my life? But here's what I want you to think about, and this is super important. When we worship, God's not asking for our best. 
He's not asking for our worst. He's just asking for us. Well, do I give him my best? Do I wax eloquent? Do I give him my, my best shout and best moves? And I, I would be honest with you, I don't, I don't, my moves are a, a, a D minus, maybe, maybe a C minus, you know, on a good night, you know. Uh, but it's sincerity that God's looking for. See, capital S, God is the spirit, capital S. And he's looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit, lowercase s. My spirit, my innermost, my innermost being, God, I want to connect with you. There's some people right now, you, you feel so disconnected from God. You've learned the templates of the, the temple. You've learned um, protocols of, of what a church service could look like. You, you've learned to come in and go out and do your thing. And now all that's stripped down. And now it's just you and God. You've got to learn to worship. These are our best practices. This is the time to know how to get into the presence of God. This is the time to become the person that you call when something's wrong. Become that person. The people who you know, who when there's a need, you call them because you know that they know how to touch heaven. They know how to get a hold of God. They know how to enter into a room and pour out the oil and pour out the tears. See, it wasn't just oil the best and it wasn't just the tears the worst. It was everything. She was offering everything. This is me, uninhibited and unconventional. That's what worship is. It's deep and it's sincere and it flows out of my innermost being. So I don't know what's going on inside of you, but I want you to know this. You weren't made to do worship. You are worship. When you pour what's on the inside out, that is worship. Pour your tears, pour your fears, pour your praise, pour your ideas. You are worship. God wants to participate in your life, in every area of your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, tears and oil, whatever it may be, the, the, the epigy, the, 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 the good times, the bad times. He wants it all so we can connect, connect. So ask this question, am I connected with God? Am I connected with his presence? Do I know policies and procedures and, and timetables? And do I, do I know structures of sermon, services and sermons and or do I know the presence of God? Do I know how to move into a room and give my best? I love the story of uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's um, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. When he was in New York, he was in high school playing, and he was they wanted to draft him from all over. I mean, he was he was the the, the star, and uh, he finally got drafted to UCLA. Uh, to one of the best coaches uh, of all time, John Wooden. And so in 1966, um, Kareem Abdul-Dabar became uh, the guy who literally no one could stop. They'd pass it down low. He was super tall. He would dunk it, just lay it up. He couldn't be stopped. And so during this time was the civil rights movement. And there was a lot of backlash. And the NCAA uh, made a stupid, stupid move. And they said this. They said, we're not going to allow people to dunk. No dunking in college. It's no longer allowed. Well, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar just was like, I'm not going to do it. I, I'm, I'm going to quit because I know this is aimed at me. I'm African-American, and I know who this is aimed at, and I'm, I'm walking away. And John Wooden ran up to him and said, man, before you leave, I just want you to know something, that, that this is uncomfortable. This is not right. This is not easy. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to press in like you never have before. I want you to work harder than you've ever had before. I want you to learn a new shot. It's a shot that you're gonna shoot from up close 
and you're gonna shoot it like this, and it's gonna hit the backboard and it's gonna go in. And it's, it became known as the, the sky hook. It became what is known as the most undefendable shot in basketball. Can I tell you that LeBron is a great basketball player, Curry's a great basketball player, Jordan's a great basketball player, but you know who holds the number one shooting record of all time? Jordan's number five, LeBron's number three. You know who number one is? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Why? Because the pressure, the pain brought out the best in him. Can I just tell you that I believe that during this time, the time of pressure, the time of pain, that the best kind of worship can come out of you. The best kind of connection can come out of your praise and worship. The best kind of revelation that flows out of, out of worship can happen when you truly open up and let pain and progress, pain and process, do something and produce that pearl of great price inside of you. All the adjutants that we're experiencing, can I tell you, you can lose a lot. You can lose a lot. There are people who have lost a lot in this little you know, month, month and a half. But you know what we're not gonna lose? We're not gonna lose our worship. I know how to shut the doors, push everyone out, push out all the voices, push out all the noise, and I know how to connect with God. Now you say, I don't know if I've ever done that, Pastor Chad. I wanna tell you, we're gonna, we're gonna create best practices. We're gonna practice. We're gonna create a timetable. We're gonna say, hey, God, I'm meeting you at 6 p.m. Kids are gonna be in the backyard playing. My wife's gonna be in the front, and I'm just gonna take 20 minutes to not just praise you with my lips, but connect with you and worship with my heart. I don't wanna just look at the Tesla on the outside. I wanna get in the Tesla and I wanna experience you. I wanna get close to your head, to your feet, to your heart. I wanna know you. I wanna truly know you. You know what I love about this story? The lady with the alabaster box, when she poured everything out, God poured back. He said, you know what? People who have been forgiven much, love much. Ma'am, you're forgiven. Your faith has made you whole. You're gonna go home different. You've poured out everything to me. Now I'm gonna pour out everything you need. We're made whole. We're made right in worship. I want you to bow your heads right where you are. I want you to maybe take the hand of the person you're sitting with or standing next to. We're going to pray together. We're just going to ask the presence of the Lord to teach us how to truly enter in and connect with Him in a supernatural way. Not mind to mind, not words to words, but spirit to spirit. Innermost being to innermost being. Deep calleth unto deep. I don't know if you felt that or sensed that, but there's something inside of you that longs to be connected. That oil inside of you, that, that worship inside of you, those tears and those pains and those struggles all belong on his feet and his head. Pour it out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, every person right now, every person who is in this struggle, in this time, not sure what to do, not sure where to turn, just kind of waiting from one day to another to hear the new news of what may be happening in our future. There is one absolute that is your presence. And where your presence is, there is liberty. And where your liberty is, there is joy and freedom. So Lord, in these best practices, number one, Lord, we're gonna, we're gonna practice worship. We're gonna practice worship. We're gonna practice your presence. 
We're gonna practice leaning in, pressing in, breaking the box so the oil can flow. The outside has to be broken. I have to be broken. So what that, that worship that's on the inside can just flow out of me. Come on, right where you are, would you just lift your voice, pray for your family, pray for your home. Lord, fill our homes, fill our hearts, fill our lives, Lord. We love you. We sense your presence, God. We sense your presence. We love and honor you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? Amen, amen, amen. Hey, I want to remind you two things. If you're new to following Jesus, we have a gift for you, a book that we want to get in your hands. It's called Following Jesus. It's a great tool to start out your walk with the Lord. And number two, don't forget, talking it out Tuesday. We're not leaving it here. We're not done this weekend. We're taking it to Tuesday. We're going to talk it out. So sign up now for a small group. I love you, church family. I miss you. Can't wait to see you. But until then, let's keep hope alive in our hearts. God bless you.